Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. What was revealed to you in darkness, revealed in light. What was whispered into years shattered in the rooftops. Good afternoon, church. Good to see you guys. Would you take a moment or so to turn to your neighbors, to the right of you, to the left of you? Just uh, give them a good, quick smile. Let them know that they are loved and welcomed here. Some fresh faces here. We welcome you to our church. We welcome you. And for those of you guys that are visiting us for the first time, we would love for you to stick around and get to know us a little bit. And today happens to be a special day where we do have a special event for the church-wide And it's to celebrate the kids and the little ones in our midst. And we have prepared a wonderful fall festival outdoors. So uh, immediately following the service today, we're going to just uh, move on to the rear parking lot. And we will take in some, uh, participate in some festivities. We're going to eat together. We're going to play some silly games. We have some contests. And also that we can feel in it. Guys, it's been a long time. So we want to feel like we can do community again. So... Uh, Even if you haven't planned to do so yet, know that that's coming up. And if you're able to spend just a few minutes with us and uh, just get a good meal out of today's visit that you have for us. A couple of announcements before before we begin. Um, Operation Christmas Child, you see those uh, uh, two boxes here in the front. We are collecting donation boxes. And you can fill each box however way you want it. I think the guidelines are set so that you want to fill it up to about $25 worth of gifts. And all of these gifts that are collected, the boxes that are collected, we will ship directly to uh, through Operation Christmas Child. And every single box will be allocated to the third world countries. People and the kids who do not have the normal means to celebrate the holidays, particularly Christmas. So... It's a wonderful, wonderful tradition that we have. And this is, I realize, this is already sixth year as Rooftop Church. So every Thanksgiving, this is our expression to God that, God, we are thankful for all that you've done in and through our lives. And God, this is our way of showing you how thankful we are by being a blessing to those that are in need. So, guys, we guys need you to step up. Let's bring the boxes in, all right? Uh, those two boxes right there, God, they're completely empty. We just put them out there to show you guys, that, to encourage you guys, but these boxes are completely empty. At this pace, no kids are getting a gift. So let me tell you a cool story, all right? You would think, right, you would think, well, these boxes, do they really go overseas? Do they really reach kids? Can I tell you something crazy? About 15 years ago, a member of this church, at that time, she had lived in... Russia. She lived in Russia, but she lived uh, uh, in a a very small town in Russia, and she happened to have received one of these boxes through Operation Christmas Child. And uh, she was telling me that she uh, remembered receiving the box, and in that box um, uh, conveyed the name and, and the personal information of the sender of the box. Did you guys know about three years ago, uh, About 10 years ago, I think she immigrated to the U.S. About three years ago, she was able to track down the the giver of that gift box. And they got the chance to meet 
and to, to really share this awesome, godly, precious moment. So if you are in ever doubt that these, these boxes are like, are they going to ever reach? Yes, they do. And perhaps you can be part of a cool story just like that, just taking a small step of faith. And man, if you got little kids, take them to Target, Walmart, fill those boxes, tell them the cool story of Operation Christmas Child. So uh, we got just three weeks left. Let's fill up, these, uh, fill up the table so we can make a large donation as we always have in the past years. All right, starting November 14th, and this is all the parents here. Starting November 14th, we are going to separate the kids according to the ages. So we are going back from just one combined group to we want to make sure that all three different age groups are attended to, to properly. So uh, just kind of a heads up. And again, uh, it's also your goal, parents, it, this should be your goal that you're able to separate from your kids so that you can participate fully in worship in this room, as you would uh, uh, trusting your kids at school with daycare, we would love for you guys to do the same with us so that the wonderful staff of CM could take care of your kids. So drop them off, come in, let us worship here. I know we're getting a little bit distracted here, but I have just one more a very important announcement to share, all right? Um, you guys know Daniel and Jamie, uh, Daniel uh, several weeks back, suffered a stroke, uh, and, and he spent about nearly two weeks in the ICU intensive care unit, and a uh, very critical condition. By the grace of God, he was able to uh, reposition the, the rehab facilities, and uh, after spending about a week there, uh, he was able to come home. But, and his surgery, his brain surgery, is just about two weeks away on November 16th. But I, I, I'm, I'm sharing this announcement because the Peck family are in incredible need. Um, since coming home, and, and Daniel is still struggling to go with day-to-day -day tasks, uh, like brushing his teeth, washing himself, and, and he's really struggling, so he is in need a lot of help. And Jamie, being the primary caretaker, also has been overwhelmed with the task of uh, attending to his sick husband, to have a three-year-old that they're attending to, and uh, recently, I, I've discovered that Jamie herself is struggling in her place where, uh, you know, she suffers from severe depression. And, and now it's eating her up again. So um, the family has reached out to, to, to us. The family has reached out to very good friends of, of them in Dina and Chandler. And, and I'm just sharing this opportunity where we as a church can participate and being of uh, a concrete, practical help for the family of uh, uh, Daniel and Jamie. So if you would like any information on how you can participate, and I think uh, Dan, uh, Dina did a very good job in breaking down very practical help, uh, like signing up for meal train for the next couple of weeks, uh, spending time with Jamie because she, 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 uh, she does quite well uh, when people are spending time with her, drinking coffee, tea, just being in her presence. Otherwise, she, she falls into this um, a dark place where she struggles and questions a lot of things. And someone who would just spend 30 minutes just walking uh, with Daniel as he needs to still uh, be part of this uh, physical therapy, there, there are a ton of opportunities. You can give monetarily. Uh, um, they're, they're, they're in huge need of, of all of these things that I've just described to you. Maybe you have connections. Uh, we're looking for long-term help where 
subsequent to Daniel's surgery, when he's discharged from the home, and he's entering to the same uh, lesser state of environment where there's high pressure, there's a lot of needs, practical needs. So we're trying to set them up so that they can be sustained in the coming seasons. So if you, like, we're even looking for, like, in-home uh, care uh, givers. If you have any connections, anything would be helpful. So would you, if you can, just write down their contact info. Maybe you already have their phone numbers and email. And we're asking everyone who's willing to help out, just sign up with Dina and Chandler. And, and they would disclose any permanent information with you guys. We just thought that we wouldn't do that in a public platform because a lot of this information is sensitive and should be remaining confidential. But if it's in your heart to take part in this uh, endeavor, I do encourage you guys. And I, for me, I thought wherever there is a need, wherever there's an opportunity for us to step into, I really do believe that's not only a responsibility of the church, I really do believe that's a blessing from the Lord, nudging us that this is how we can participate as an entire uh, church family. So uh, I, I've left the email context up on the screen, and I do encourage you guys to take advantage of that. Is that, is that okay? And... Um, if you have already tried messaging Jamie and Daniel personally, the chances are the responses have been very uh, inconsistent. And it's because uh, that's what they're going through at home. A lot of things, a lot of moving pieces. So uh, they respond, well, this is the reason why Dina has set up that she would be the main communicator and the bridge for people that are wanting to participate and actually providing direct uh, care for the PAC family. So. Uh, that's all the announcements that we have today. All right, you guys ready? Some of your parents are dying to see your cute kids. So in a minute, I'm just going to invite uh, Tiffany and the CM come. They, they dress up for today. So when they come in, they're going to circle around the worship uh, room for a couple times. So we just ask you guys to give them a, a warm uh, round of applause as they come in. All right, are we too ready to welcome them in? All right, let's, let's get them in here. Yay! Yay! Who do we have here? We have Elsa joining us, Spider-Man. All right. Oh my goodness, Spider-Man. Ooh. I wonder who that is. Oh. I think that's Ashen. Hi. A oh, policeman. Pirate, ka-chow. Hi. Boo from Monster Zinc. All right. Hey, unicorn angel princess. Hi, Elsa. Elsa, you need to join the group, Elsa. Are you trying to give... We have three more, all right. Oh my gosh. Hey, Mr. Pirate. Oh, Miss Pirate, hi. All right, oh, hey. One more time, one more time. All right, go all the way through the end here. All right. Are you Jasmine? This is Boo from Monsters, Inc. 
Spider-Man had taken the time from his busy schedule to come join us today. All right, let's give them a, a round of applause again. Yay! All right, see you kids. I, I felt bad because I felt like they were looking for like treats to be handed out to them, so. All right, again, let me remind you, after uh, uh, today's service, which I was asked by Tiffany, I said, please, Scott, like, make sure that you don't, pre you don't go over uh, delaying our program. So um, maybe you're in a treat. It's a shortened sermon today. <laughs> Sometimes, don't be too honest, okay? All right, so... Um, we're going to just uh, uh, finish today's service, and then, um, again, if you're visiting, come out, spend next 10 minutes uh, after the service is over, eat with us. Let's hang out a little, little bit. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, open to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 through seven. And I'm reading from the NASB version. If you have a different version, you may read on your own or look at the screen that's in front of you here. Second Kings chapter four, verses one through seven. And this is a reading of God's word. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant fear the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels, do not get a few, and you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour out into all these vessels, and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing these vessels to her, and she poured. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel, and he said to her, there is not one vessel more, and the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Amen. Church, friends, would you bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? God, we thank you for just inviting us, calling us to be in your house. God, as we have just read this passage, God, we long to encounter you. God, we are hungry, we are thirsty for more of you. God, we have gone through a season where, uh, for the most part, we were physically disconnected from one another. God, spiritually speaking, many of us, we were disconnected from you as well. God, for the next few minutes, Lord, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. God, may today be the beginning and the opportunity 
where we are brought back into your presence. Increase the hunger, God. Increase the desire for you more and more right now, right here in this place. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you guys, are you guys familiar with this, uh, uh, the symbol here that you see on the screen? Right? You guys know? Uh, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not an iPhone user, so I don't really have that. Mine doesn't look like that. But I'm guessing about 80% of you guys, you probably have seen this sign, right? It's a sign that comes up. When your phone that operates out of lithium battery, when your battery's low, you'll get a pop-up notification saying, hey, it's letting you know that, hey, your phone's about to die, and plug into the source and get more juice. And how long does it usually take? 50 minutes? 60 minutes? I don't know, some crazy phones charge really fast these days. You know, mine takes about an hour to charge, so when that sign comes up, you know, you immediately go to the uh, source of power and you plug it in. Personally, I don't really see this sign that often on my phone. Do you know why? Because I so dread, because I so fear that my phone would run out of battery. So guess what I do? I got chargers everywhere. I got charging cables in my car. I have a backup, backup one. I have one cable coming out, one backup one in my glove compartment. I have a charging cable in my office. I have two charging cables, in my, uh, one in my bedroom, one in my office, making sure that my phone, which I think, I don't know, life is pretty difficult without my, with your phone, is it not? So I want to make sure that you know, yeah, if it runs out of battery, you know, in a matter of two, three minutes, you could plug it back in, it will reboot. I don't even want my phone to reboot. I don't even want like five minutes of my phone not being accessible. So I have charging cables everywhere. Any of you guys like me? Right? The thought of not having our phones or having our phones dead, it's not too nice. So we have all these arrangements, at least for me, I have all these arrangements making sure that my phone is full of battery. And then I thought, as I reflected upon this week, right, and I thought, I wonder, I wonder if I am as vigilant, if I am as faithful and attentive to my spiritual battery, and I thought, how concerned do I get when I see my spiritual battery running low? How concerned do I get if it's anything less than a full charge? Or do I even care if my spiritual battery runs so low, it's on a tiny sliver of red line, and as God is flashing this sign, Plug into the power source. Plug into the power source, making sure that your phone does not go dead. And I thought, you know, just to be frank with you, and I had to make a very uh, honest assessment of my life. It's a, it's a crazy comparison, but I don't think I am as concerned about my spiritual battery as I am about my phone battery. 
And having gone through the crazy season of COVID, having spent the last two years in a very funky state where, where we can't even come to church, where we can't even fellowship with other believers, the opportunities to pray together, opportunities to uh, worship God freely and extensively, those opportunities have been very difficult to come by. And as a result of that, I think, I think, I, for me, I think many of us, we spend extra time or, uh, or longer extended periods of time where we allowed our spiritual battery to run lower than it usually does or as it should. And I had this prophetic image of like God flashing this sign, but spiritually speaking, Scott, plug into the source of power. Plug into the source of energy and love. You got to recharge because your spiritual battery is running low. And if we could be honest, perhaps some of us, the battery has already been discharged or what's the, what's the, um, out of charge or run out of charge. Maybe it's been dead. Maybe it's been unplugged for a long time. You don't even know where charging cables are. Where you don't even, you're not even looking at the outlet or the, the source of power. All the while, we are extending this period of living our lives not completely connected to the source of our spiritual power. And today my submission to you is simply is this. We ought, we ought to hunger after God. The goal in this season is that we ought to do anything and everything that we can, that we get plugged into the source of our spiritual power. That in due time that we get reconnected with God, that if our love tank is a little bit empty, if our tank of spiritual, spiritual uh, life has been running on low, that I pray that you would desire, say, God, fill me up. God, restore my faith. God, pour into me the love. God, refresh my faith again, Lord. God, I want to, God, I'm, I'm kind of tired now, barely surviving, right? I think many of us, I think, uh, for me, like, we, we set the bar really, really low, right? We were extremely gracious with everybody. We were, you know, kids, too, like, when they, when they come home with grades and reports, they're like, we're extremely gracious. We're like, you know... I think for me at least, like at home, we are very lenient too. But at a certain point, we, gotta, we have to tell ourselves that, you know what? Maybe it's time for us to like really gear up and maybe like adjust ourselves so that we would live more normally in this abnormal state of life. And not putting things on the back burner anymore. Not waiting for things to get better on their own. Rather, we become proactive in attending to the matters that really are important to us. So today, simply, the, message, uh, the, the, sermon of my, uh, the title of my message today is simply, Hunger for God. And I pray that, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you are not as hungry. Maybe you don't see yourself as in need of God as I feel for myself. But in case that you do, in case maybe you are curious, but today throughout the sermons, very brief message, I pray supernaturally that God will bring to surface your incredible hunger for God. If at the very least we will say, God, I need you. 
at the very least that you and I can say, God, I am in need of you. I've lived too far. I've gone too long without your involvement, without your presence in my life. But God, today be the day that you are re-entering my life. Let me give you the a short backdrop of today's passage that we have just read. So the person of Elisha, say with me, Elisha. That person is very important because Elisha is the feature prophet in this passage. Elisha is connected to another very prominent man in the Old Testament, which you may be more familiar with. His name is Elijah. I know, very confusing, just off by two... Uh, very close, all right? I, I attempted to count right now. Why, why, why would I do that? Elijah, very closely connected to Elisha. Elisha was the... Um, Elijah was Elisha's teacher. As Elijah's ministry was coming toward, to, towards the end, and God installed Elisha, so Elijah served as a mentoring fig, figure, the teacher figure in Elisha's life. And then that's a cool connection. So Elijah knew that his time was about to be uh, uh, done. And Elisha was going to take the mantle of leadership, leading the nation of Israel, being the communicator between the nation of Israel and God. Elijah is about to leave, right? And he's one of just two men, uh, uh, including Jesus, three men that never experienced death. How cool is that? Jesus, uh, actually, Jesus, uh, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Slow down, Scott. Jesus experienced death, but he ascended to heaven. He was taken up to heaven, right? Two other men in the Old Testament encounter very similar thing. Enoch, in the book of Genesis, never experienced death. God, the scriptures tell us that Enoch walked with God and he was no more. What? Enoch walked with God. Enoch lived his life, his entirety of his life. He walked with God and stepped with him. And one day God just... Taking him up. Elijah was the other dude. Elijah experienced no death. One day, he decided to take Elijah up. In the process of being taken up by God, Elisha is clinging on to Elijah. Bizarre scene. Elisha is saying, hey, man, you can't go. Elijah said, hey, I got to go. You got to let me go. Elijah said, what do you, and Elijah says, what do you, what is it that you're wanting me to do for you? Why are you not letting me go? Like, what, what can I do for you? And Elisha said, in chapter 2, verse 9, it says, ask what, sh what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Guys, underline that if you have your Bible. Underline that, highlight it on your uh, phone Bible. Elisha, when asked, and that's a daring prayer. That's a prayer of faith. And Elisha spent all of his adult life witnessing Elijah to see how incredible man of power and faith Elijah was. And Elisha said, when Elijah asked him, what can I do for you? He says, I want double of everything that you have. Pretty daring prayer. Guess what? Because that prayer and that request was made, Elijah answers that request. I think, well, more than Elijah, God.
God responds to Elisha's request. So Elisha ends up receiving double portion of all of Elijah's anointing, meaning power to minister. Elijah was known for a while. He was a powerful prophet. Remember when he had the showdown with 450 prophets of Baal? What a gangster. He showed up to a showdown and said, you know what? By myself, I'll take all of you guys. 450, all you guys. And he won. You know, at the altar, like the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves, screaming, like hurting themselves. Nothing happened. Elijah commanded the fire of God to come from heaven, consumed the offering on the altar. That Elijah. Elisha said, double portion. So if you read through the first few chapters of the first Kings, filled with miracles. Uh, there's a, a Shunammite woman who served Elisha miracularly, conceives. Uh, uh, someone who cannot conceive, conceives, and that baby dies. What, you know what Elisha did? Elisha laid on top of a dead child. Kind of a bizarre image, right? But he did that. He lay straight, uh, straight on top of the, the dead child, infant. And guess what? The, the child came back to life. He was able to resurrect somebody from the dead. That's crazy. So incredibly powerful. So, and he feeds 100 people with just 20 loaves of barley, a miracle that we see later on in the Gospels, you know. And this miracle of the widow and the sons is the first of many miracles that Elisha performs. And this is what we know of the widow. This widow was very poor. The husband passed away, and they had no food in the house. What did they have left in their house? What did we just read? Huh? Oil. I think I heard somewhere one jar. You're absolutely right. All they had left in the house was one jar of oil. And prophet Elijah, uh, Elisha comes and apparently wants something. Say, hey, man, your house is a mess. You're poor. He says, what do you have? What do you have? And he demanded something that only thing that she had. So I want you to bring it to me. And I think you have to recognize this woman's faith. When a stranger comes and demands the only thing that you have left, one thing that you and your sons are depending on, that, that you will live a few more days. After that, pretty sure she recognized that she was going to die along with her sons. She brings it out. I think at that point, she was ready to just give it away because she recognized that maybe this person was sent by God. So she brings it up to uh, Elijah it says, you know what, I'm hungry, I want to eat, but this is all I have. And Elisha says, you know what, thank you for bringing this jar of oil. I want you to go and borrow other jars, other vessels from your neighbors. So she, he sends this woman out to get empty pots, pans, Tupperware, bottles, everything. Go bring empty vessels. And said, make sure you shut the door behind you when you come back. And Elisha, when empty vessels were brought in, something supernatural happens. He begins to pour out of that one jar of oil, begins to pour into all the empty vessels, and they begin to be filled. 
All these empty vessels that were brought before Elisha, they were filled to the point where no empty vessels that they were brought in, they were all completely filled, said, Do you, can you bring more? And the poor widow says, I'm done. All the empty vessels that I brought in, they're all done. And he says, go, sell the oil and pay for your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Amazing. I don't imagine for a second that she brought in like three more jars. I don't imagine for a second that she brought like five like water bottle, uh, bottle size like containers. I think bigger containers, like five gallon like sparkling water bottles were brought in. Like a, I don't know, what do, what do you call those like barrels were brought in, like empty vessels, anything. Boxes were brought in, like all of these incredible amounts, whatever emptiness that were gathered that day, every single one of them had been filled by God. Today's message is titled, Hunger for God. How empty are you today? How charged or how uncharged is your spiritual battery? I believe today God is challenging us. God is communicating to us, hey, bring your empty vessels because I am surely going to fill every single one of them. And it would be foolish of us not to come before God expecting to be filled. But that onus is on us, meaning you and I are responsible for hungering after God. You and I are responsible for displaying before God, God, this is what I have. This is what I can present before you. So if we come before God saying, God, I don't really need of you. God, I've been fine living my life. You, it's good. I like that you are part-time in my life. God, I like that you're an extra. I love that you're a plus option in my life right now. If you're okay with that, God will be certainly okay just being part of a very extra, an option. But if you say, God, I need more of you. I need you to occupy a greater portion of my life. I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty for you, God. Without you, I don't want to live another day. Without you, I don't want to venture out to another project, Lord. God, I hunger and thirst after you. In Psalm 42, talks about as the deer panteth for the water. Some of you guys, let me sing it for you guys because it's more familiar. As the deer panteth for, shouldn't have done that. You guys know that song? I don't even, I've, I don't even think I've ever seen a deer in my life up close. But can you, can you feel as the deer panteth? What does that even mean? just old English for like longing, desperately going after just a tiny bit of water, tiny just a stream of water as the deer is thirsting and desperately seeking in the same manner, God, my soul yearns after you. 
King David in Psalm 84 says, better is one day in your courts. My soul thirsts after you. Pastor Tavis talked about last week, woman, bleeding woman, went through crazy traffic, crazy crowd, you know, crawling on the floor, being stepped on, being kicked at. She didn't even care. Why? Because she was desperate. She was hungry. How hungry are you for the presence of God in your life? How hungry are you for the love and grace to be restored in your life again? Maybe you don't even recognize it anymore. It had been so long. We've been so desensitized. We have filled our hearts and lives with other substances, other things of this world that we don't even feel the hunger. I pray today that you and I would desire God together. You know, the funny thing is, let me share this. In the natural realm, if you want to get hungry, what do you do? Not that we ever want to get hungry. In the natural realm, how do you get hungry? How do you get more hungry? You don't eat. If you want to get hungry, you starve yourself. Okay, in the natural, how many of you guys are hungry right now? Some of you guys look like miserable. You guys are hungry. Like I'm like, in the natural realm, if you want to get hungry, you starve yourself. You don't need. In the spiritual realm, if you want to get hungry, you eat more. Spiritually speaking, if you want to get spiritually more hungry, guess what? You consume and eat and partake in more of what God has for us. The, quite the opposite is the same. How do you get full in the spiritual realm? You get spiritually full when you don't eat. You get spiritually full, you feel content when you fill it with other things. You feel comfortable. God, I'm quite good. You feel content. You feel satisfied. All without partaking of what God has provided for us. If you want to hunger after God, you got to eat more of God. You want to hunger after God, you got to consume more of God. And, and that's how you get hungrier and hungrier for God. This corporate worship, guys, this matters. You partaking in a worship, you going to uh, the Bible, reading it, spending time, intimate time, that matters because that only incites more and more hunger, spiritually speaking. You neglect that portion, guess what? You're going to become quite full. You're never going to hunger after God if you don't partake in what he has for you. Does that make sense? And I just, like, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let that sink in. Naturally, if you want to get hungry, don't eat. Naturally, if you want to get hungry spiritually, you eat more of what God has for you. I've got to speed up. So I'm going to, can I get the priest team to come on up? So I'm going to just attempt to land the plane, like, mid-flight. 
because I want to be respectful of the time that I did promise. So, first is hunger after God. Hunger for God. When I say hunger, hunger, that word has two forms. One, you could say it's a noun. Hunger is just a mere assessment of lack or desire or lacking. That's one hunger. But I like the word hunger in the verb form. There's hunger. Oh, lack of food, lack of nourishment. There's other hunger when you said it's an act of you filling. It's an act of being hungry. It's an act of you recognizing there is a need. And you hunger when you hunger. You're chasing after to fill that void. So my challenge to you today is you got to hunger after God. That's the only way that God will come and fill your hunger. Amen. Assess the need. Yeah, that's good. That's hunger. But now hunger after God. And the second charge that I have for you guys, you guys got to hunger together. Sometimes your own lack is not enough. This is what the spiritual body is all about. We hunger together. This is why collective worship is powerful. How many of you guys know that it's easier to pray with other believers than by yourself? You gotta hunger together. How many of you guys know that it's easier to worship with other believers in the community of faith than it is by yourself? Hunger together. One last story. This past Thursday, I was invited to attend one table with Francis Chan. A friend of mine gave me a call and said, Hey, Scott, I was invited. I can't go though. But I put up your name, and if you are able to go, you and your wife can go. And then, you know, I, I told him, Hey, bro, I'm done with conferences. I'm not really up to like meeting famous people. Like, I'm like, whatever. Like, and he said this, Bro, it's invite only. 30 people only. And that got me. You know why? This dude is famous. I've read many of his books. Powerful preacher, anointed man. Francis Chan is coming. He said, 30 people. And I counted. My wife and I are part of the 30. Like, wow. And I wanted to go meet Francis Chan. So I replied, yes. You guys know Francis Chan, right? By the way, he's not giving a toast, okay? <laughs> like, what party did you go to? Is he toasting his Francis? That's actually a communion cup. And I went, immediately as I entered the premises, I was disappointed. I felt deceived. Because I saw not 30, but I saw like 80 people. It's like, how dare you? And all of a sudden, and then the, and then the introvert in me kicked out. And I, wanted to, I just wanted to hide. I said, a bunch of people, I don't know any of these guys. I'm not interested. I just wanted to see Francis. And I joked with my another friend. I think he was also duped, thinking that it was going to be a very private party. And we just, like, we just felt less special. And I told him, you know what? I don't care all these people. I'm just going to touch Francis. <laughs> I've, saw, I've seen him in conferences. I've heard him speak many times. I'm just going to go up to him. I'm just going to touch him and make him pray for me. I said, Francis, touch me. All these years I've lived my ministry life as, as your clone, as a knockoff version of you. 
pray for me, anoint me. And then this worship leader, a guy named Todd Proctor, very famous worship leader, he wrote a song, Stirring Me, Passion for Your, that guy. Beautiful voice, he led worship. He just kept delaying. I just wanted Francis. He's like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm like, of course you better be sorry. We're not going to eat right now. I'm like, oh. We're not going to eat right now. We're just going to worship God for 30 minutes. And we'll have Francis come at the very end. I'm like, oh, I want Francis now. He's worshiping. And we're worshiping. And we're singing this song. I'm going to just read for you here. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. And that moment, God spoke to me. He says, Scott, when was the last time you wanted me? He says, Scott, I know you're just joking, saying that you just want to meet Francis and just touch him. When was the the last time you had that simple desire to meet with me? When was the last time you said, you just want to touch me? And this song that I was so eager to just rush through, This song messed me up. And in that moment, I'm singing this song. I'm caught up in your presence. All I want to do is just sit at your feet. God, I don't want to do anything. I, I don't want anything else, God. Look at the words. I don't even want your blessing, Lord. I just want you. Friends, dear people at Rooftop, This is how we hunger after God. Can you imagine walking into a worship room? Can you imagine going to a church and there's a room full of people saying nothing else and say, God, I'm just here. I don't want your blessing. I don't want your, I don't need anything. I just want you, God. And here I am. Here I am. I just want you to hear those words from me. I just want you to see the heart that I have for you. Imagine the worship. Imagine the change that would take place in here. I'm not talking. They're going to get mad at me if I delay it anymore. So in the next few minutes, can I just share this song with you? I requested to Jonathan late Friday, say, can you sing, can you lead us in this song? I didn't even know if he knows this song, but I believe they're ready to lead us. And I'm going to just encourage you guys. You could stand, sit, do whatever you want. But in the next few moments, make it about you and God. Make it about you expressing your hunger and desire for Him. And commune with Him. Can we do that?